It's Monday the 7th of December. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. You'll see us on Weekend Edition on Sky News, Saturdays and Sundays. And I'm joined by my co-host, Shane Lee. Shane, do you you ever miss it sometimes when you get out of bed that you don't play cricket anymore? Absolutely not. (laughs) No, mate, it's uh, it's another big week of sport. I'm looking forward to this uh, week. And look, lots to talk about. We've got cricket, we've got tennis coming up. Rugby union to talk about, but uh, yeah, I don't miss getting up and doing early pre-season training, mate. That's for sure. No, I could imagine. Well, Matty Dunning is going to join us. It was a pretty ordinary old game of rugby union, to be honest, when Australia played a 16-all draw with Argentina. Jaslyn Hewitt's going to talk tennis because we have the Australian Open, but it won't be traditionally like it has been in the past in January. It looks like it's going to be in February. We'll talk all other sports in just a tick. This is Afternoon Sport. This is Afternoon Sport. Well, Australia got off to such a great start, Shane Lee, with the cricket. Uh, two one-day wins, and now they've lost the third one-day and the first two T20s. Mate, having things turned around, which is going to be really interesting going into the Test Series. Uh, yeah, uh, 2020 is India's bag at the moment, and they're playing really, really well. And Australia's two down from two games. Interesting to see how they're going to go next in the third one. Yeah, and it, look, there's there's been injuries, of course, and, um, and Pat Cummings has been rested, which is interesting. It is, mate. It's really, really hard to understand what's actually going on at the moment. I get that Pat Cummins has come off a, a big IPL series, and we have to rest, rest our players during those series. But, yeah, you still want to win your domestic competitions. And, yeah, Australia now 2-0 uh, down. They can't win the T20 series. So bring on, bring on a test series, mate, I say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, um, we change everything completely. Test cricket is, you know, it's almost a different sport to T20. But um, what about in down in Canberra the other day? Mark Waugh came out and said that uh, that concussion rule should be changed. It should be an independent doctor because for those that didn't see it, when uh, Jardasia was injured, they replaced a player and there was a bit of a dust-up between David Boone and Justin Langer. What do you think? Look, mate, it's a, it's a tough one, right? And, and we're seeing, unfortunately, you know, with, with Philip Hughes and, and, and the issues around uh, when someone gets struck in the head, it's really, really hard for Mark Waters to say that. Um, and you're never going to have a, a clear-cut decision. When someone gets in the head or there's issues around the whole concussion, um, unfortunately, mate, the way the world these days, you, ha- you have to leave the field. It's really, really tough. I can see where Justin's frustrated, and I can see why he's frustrated, but um, unfortunately, mate, you have to move on and just go on with the game. Yeah, well, it moves into to rugby, doesn't it, when we saw those yellow cards and, and a red card, and Phil Kearns came out in commentary and said, oh, this is ridiculous, I can't believe these yellow cards. Look, I, I sort of half get where Phil's coming from, but unfortunately or fortunately, we have to do things which protect the players. Yeah, you, you do, mate, and, and, and that's the way the world these days, and uh, unfortunately, that's, that, that's what we need to do. But I, I can see where Mark Wall's coming from. It, it's frustrating from, from, from the, the captain and also the coach's perspective, but, hey, if you get struck in the head, there's rules around it, and like anything in, in this world, mate, once you open up a little Pandora's box, it can get a lot worse than that. What did you think of the rugby? I, I went out to it, and Bank West, I love it. It was wet, but they just seemed to be missing that, that moment or those moments that are, that are going to win them football games, don't they, the Wallabies? Yeah, it's 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 frustrating. No, I thought the Wallabies started off this season like uh, with a lot of positive signs. It just it's just got progressively worse. Unfortunately, watching it, um, look, O'Connor, like he had some moments, but yeah, it's it's just frustrating. 
Yeah, another draw. Uh, saying that, now we needed to win by 101 points, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And, and <laughs> look, I, th- and I think they, they realised that wasn't going to happen from the start. But, like, Reese Hodge again, twice in a row. It happened in Newcastle in the final minutes and then again at Bankwest had the opportunity to kick them to victory. But you don't want to be in that position. You don't want to be trying to, uh, like, in cricket parlance, win the, win the game off the last ball or in rugby or, or league or any of the other AFL, win it before the siren. No, look, definitely, mate. And, uh, you know, two kicks with on the siren unfortunately didn't happen but look let's try and be positive I, I think as, as we were saying last week that they showed some real positive signs but um, you know a point here and there and it's a, it's a really really good summer what do you think of over refereeing pulling up penalties stopping the game that's one of the things that really annoyed me um, on the weekend was just that it just stopped all the time. They, look, they, look, you watch a league game, and I love them both, and it flows. You watch AFL, and, and it flows. It's quick. It's ball in. You're watching Rugby Union, a scrum, and if a scrum doesn't work, they take another three minutes or five minutes to get another scrum, and then they stop, and they all get in a huddle. It's it's like NFL. Look, it is, and it's, it's unfortunate. When you have to put up on the, onto the scoreboard why that's an actual penalty, <laughs> it's it's not going well. Um, Stuart McGill had a funny uh, take on the whole cricket thing. He said that you know, umpires are only there to hold my hat and count the six. <laughs> and and uh, sometimes I just wish in rugby union that the referee would uh, put his whistle away and let the game flow, as you said. Because it's such a competitive market, isn't it? Like People will just stop, will have, they've already stopped watching a lot of it because of that. You, you need to think about the entertainment. Like there has even been uh, the idea floated that there's too many players on the field. Do you drop it to 14 or 13? Look, uh, that's not for me to say to me, but... Um, well, you can say it. This is our podcast. Let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can if you want to. No, I know, mate. But but the whole thing is, I, I, I think you're right. I think the refs need to understand that there's a, there's a whole game, gamesmanship that comes with any sport. Um, and you've got to let the game flow, as you said. And sometimes uh, the refs are a little bit too excited maybe get their head on, heads on TV. It was it was interesting the other day. I think there were two players, one player off one side, one player off the other, and it did flow uh, a lot better. 15 players, it's been that way for a long, long time, but when you've got 15 players, it means you've got 15 defenders. It's a lot harder to score tries, and I think that is what will get more people watching Rugby Union. Uh, can you believe in a Formula One race that the guys put the wrong tyre on a car? Mate, how does that happen? Look, I'll, I'll, I drive into to the local Seven Eleven, and, uh, and and things seem to be working a lot better than what's going on in the Formula One at the moment. Um, it, it's frustrating, but imagine the money going into the sport and that sort of stuff happening. Oh yeah, they were mortified. The Mercedes team, if you haven't seen it, the uh, when Russell went in and they put put one of uh, his teammates' tyres on his car, and it virtually cost him an opportunity to uh, really start his F1 career in flashing fashion. Look, there's a stack of sport about. We're going to talk to uh, Matt Dunning a little later, Shona. But up next, uh, tennis. We look like we're going to have the Australian Tennis Open. Jaslyn Hewitt joins us. This is Afternoon Sport and Shane Lee. Do you like do you like a hit of tennis? Do you like playing tennis? Mate, I, I am a huge tennis fan, mate. And um, I was fortunate enough to go over to Wimbledon a couple of years ago with John Newcomb to go to the home of tennis and, and, and watch the tournament. I'm really looking forward to this summer, but there's a lot of controversy around when the players will be coming here in January or February, and will they come? Will they be allowed to practice outside of COVID? Lots to talk about, Timmy. 
What is your serve or your backhand best, mate? What's what's best? Well, Timmy, wherever you hit it, mate, I'm going to put it past you, mate. Let's be honest. Come on. <laughs> well, you tell you what, if you if you sort of pitched your career against me, it's, it's it's not a very high bar to set. But someone that can play tennis and has played tennis as a professional and a great friend of the show is Jaslyn Hewitt, and she joins us now. How are you, Jazzy? Good guys. Going to be uh, an interesting summer of tennis this year. Now, Jazz, what's going on with with the broadcasting? Uh, Test Australia have pushed it back. Channel Nine are now looking for um, some relief uh, from a funding perspective. We don't want to interrupt Married at First Sight. So, <laughs> how, how's it how's it going to go this summer? <laughs> no, well, I mean, this is this is a crazy thing about our sport. It goes uh, all year round, and uh, just because we're trying to push back the Australian Open um, here in Australia, uh, it it actually has so many uh, impacts, so many different tournaments following on, and this is where it's. The ATP uh, Council in particular are up in arms because it really affects about another three or four tournaments. So as much as we want the Australian Open to go ahead, the ATP need to need to choose what's actually best for their players. But you can also see where the frustration would come from with the broadcaster. You know, Channel 9, obviously, uh, like Channel 7 did before them, they launch a lot of their programs on the back of things like the Australian Open in January. And it's uh, the fact that it's going to be in February, well, that just means that everything's been launched by then. Yeah, and uh, you just have to think what, products they're actually going to be able to uh, put on the screen for their clients as well. So during January, um, you've had the ATP Cup, Sydney International, Adelaide International that would be on your screen day day and night and then now there's no content. So it's it's a massive problem for everyone. Also, um, the the level of player that's actually going to be playing uh, in Australia, are, are people going to schedule in and watch? someone that's ranked around 200 if they're the only ones that are going to come and play the Australian Open and we don't get the likes of Roger Federer or Nadal or Djokovic come in. Oh, I think I might get my tennis racket out of the garage, Jazz. But, um, is, it a, is it an old wooden Oliver racket? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, mate. No, it's a graphite, mate. I'm, I'm a modern-day player, mate. But, uh, Jazz, players get to, get to Melbourne for the tournament and a lot of talk about not being able to practice outside of you know, the COVID restrictions. What what does a general lead up to a tournament look like for for a player? Is it is it two weeks prior to a game hitting up? Yeah, well, if you're going over in Europe, you've got uh, tournaments week in week out, and it's only an hour flight, so you usually get there one or two days. But because people have to travel from Europe and from America to come here for the Australian Open, they're going from winter coming into our summer, which will be an absolute scorcher again. Uh, trying to get there, those players acclimatised over jet lag. Players usually try to get a week before just to acclimatise, play one or two tournaments prior to the Australian Open. So we do have that great summer of tennis where you've got four four weeks of uh, tennis non-stop. It's very different now with the quarantine factor and the implications that the Victorian government are putting on the sport is actually making it very tough and almost unrealistic for players to actually want to come here and play. So you're allowed three people to come with you if you're the player. You're expected to make one training partner, so pick another player and have them as your only training partner for those two weeks in quarantine. And you know individuals as sporting athletes, if they're in a team or an individual sport, everyone's body and schedule is completely different. So you might have one person that wants to train for three hours a day. You've got another one that wants to train for one hour a day, but due to the restrictions that are in place, you only are allowed to sit with that one person. 
So this is where I'm, I'm seeing a lot of red flags is what they're coming up with. But hopefully the players just want to get get here and play. So many interruptions. And look, our, our producer of the podcast used to be a ball boy at White City during the old New South Wales Open. And where do you get ball boys, ball girls from in February when the school holidays are over? It's going to be a bit like Kramer from Seinfeld. Yeah, this is... <laughs> Well, the US Open, they actually have a lot of adults doing the ball kids role. So they throw the ball and uh, we might actually have to look at something like they do. So no, school will be back. Um, it's, it's definitely a whole heap of problems that uh, Tennis Australia will have to face. But you never know, Melbourne could go in another lockdown and they might be able to have everyone doing distance uh, schooling again. So the kids might be able to wing a few days off that and say that they're doing their work at home and... Uh, not actually log on to the lessons. Uh, Jazz, now we've seen Ash Barty's held on to her number one ranking over the COVID period, uh, which which is great news. Uh, but I've, been, I've seen her at the AFL presenting trophies. I've seen her at the, at the cricket. How's she going to fare this summer? I think she'll be in great form. I think she's had 12 months to refresh. She's now got her coach, Craig Tizer, uh, allowed back up in Brisbane to train with her. So I think uh, like Nick Kyrgios as well, the, the our Australian players, given the schedule that they have to have they're away for about six months of the year um, overseas and not seeing their family so I honestly think for our best players it's probably a blessing and they're actually prob- uh, ready to get on onto the tour and compete again um, hopefully we can keep her in tennis for a few more years she's had a golf tournament that she did quite well in again and um, yeah cricket she's always very good at as well so she's, she's an outstanding athlete and I uh, it's great to have a female role model in tennis. We haven't had the number one in the world uh, since back in the day, so it's, it's amazing. Jazz, it looks like a great summer of tennis. Thanks so much for joining us. Coming up next, of course, when he was playing rugby, it was the game they played in heaven. I don't know about last Saturday night. Matt Dunning will deconstruct what happened between Australia and the Pumas. This is Afternoon Sport. It is time to talk rugby and Matt Dunning joins us now. It is the game they played in heaven, but it was a bit like purgatory on Saturday, Matty. It was a, a difficult watch, mate. Yeah, really difficult. Obviously, conditions weren't conducive with running rugby and uh, I think Argentina definitely played the conditions a lot better. You know, although it was a draw, I definitely think in the state of Argentina having a lot of guys out, I think I think you know the Australian, the Australian side will be very disappointed with the result. Um I agree with Dave Rennie that, you know, that the effort was there, but um, to have 14 men and almost play better than when you had 15 men, uh, there's got to be some questions asked there. And I think we held the ball, but the problem is in those conditions, you just can't hold the ball for 20 phases and expect to recycle it. You're going to make errors, so you, you need to kick the territory. And we just didn't kick well. You know, I heard Berkey on the commentary screaming out all, all day, play it down their end. And I know everyone wants to see him running rugby, but, you know, rugby's all about building a lead and making the other team chase you and make errors. And then that's how you win rugby games a lot of the time. And uh, we just didn't do that. Yeah, I think it was, it was a dis- disappointing way to finish a year that's that showed a lot of promise. And, you know, a good win there would have really, uh, I think, really set the Wallabies up for what, you know, it was going to be a great 2021. Now it's sort of, it's left sort of a little bit of a, uh, yeah, an aftertaste in our mouth. And, yeah, there were some decisions that I was pretty shocked by. But um, it, was, it was a game that I think the Wallabies let slip away. It, it was, wasn't it? And one of the one of the principal things that you just mentioned there was Argentina played at Smarter. And they actually 
respected the ball more, didn't they? Like we, it's difficult sometimes when you've got a spongy ball. It was a wet night. It was a lot wetter than I think anyone predicted. But we just lost the ball at crucial, crucial times when that pressure that you were talking about playing down their end was on. 100%. The Argentinians did, you know, they knew you could win this rugby game with 30% of the ball. It wasn't about how you just can't hold the ball for long periods of time in the wet. So they, they just played, they just looked to play it down the right end. And when they got their opportunities, you know, they pounced a great rolling ball from their own line, um, which, you know, Nick White got dragged into. Then their halfback scoot straight after that happens and they score a great try. And um, I think they, uh, they definitely, as I said, play the conditions better and, and, and we're smarter. And we just try to do the same, the same we were doing previously in dry conditions. And you just can't do that. As much as everyone wants to see running rugby, it's wet. You know, it's a test match. You've got to win and winning first. And we just didn't do that. And um, but I guess the positive is, is, is a game we still could have won. Reese Hodge had a chance in the end. And you can't blame Reese. I feel bad for him. You know, he, he didn't hit the best kick he, he would have liked. But, um, you know, he kicked pretty well before that. But, um, you know, it's a game we could have won. But I think in the balance of the way the Argentinians were and, and our side, it, 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 it's disappointing. So what about the red and yellow cards? I mean, like, you want to make sure that players' heads are protected, but what are your thoughts on that? I'm probably the wrong person to talk about, especially about the Hooper yellow card. I I don't often make social media posts, and I did post after that. Look, the Lurkan Tui send-off, don't agree with it, but it was careless. He could have changed his technique, could have been avoided. The the second row who got sin bid from Argentina with a yellow, yellow card, his technique was poor. He could have used his arm. That could have been avoided. But I do just not know how David Hooper could have done anything differently than letting the bloke win the ball to knock a yellow card. That, 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 that was, for me, the, bloke, he, he, the bloke's head, the bloke's arms are tipped less than his, his hands on the ground, touch, trying to steal the ball. His head's less than a foot and a half off the ground, below his shoulders. David Hooper's done what you're technically taught to do to break the glass, the pane of glass between the forearms. Um, he hit the guy on the arms. They're on a 45-degree angle. They come up and hit a head below, that is below the shoulders trying to pull for a ball, and he clears the guy out. I do not know how he does it any differently. He can't He can't get him from the side because he'd be offside. The only, and I'd love to hear someone explain how could it, David Hooper have done that differently. Have you got a mate called David Hooper? Because you're calling Michael Hooper David Hooper. Oh, sorry. You know, his dad's name, David. My apologies. Of course he is. Of course he is. He's a fierce looking man. Yeah, and look, he walked off. He's such a class act. I, You know, I can't believe people will be critical of his captaincy because I, I don't think there's another player in the side that's a, a standout pick every time they play, but he is. I think, you know, Michael is a great player. Um, I think he's a good captain. Look, I, I, um, I think he plays seven differently than previous sevens we've had. You know, I prefer a real on-ball pilferer. But he scored 20 tries in 10 tests, the most by any any, any Australian for, for whatever. He's done a lot in the game and, um, you know, he's a great player. But uh, I, I just don't know how he could have done anything differently. I mean, that, that's, that sin bin for me is as bad as, a, as, bad as I've seen. I, and I just don't know rugby. If that's going to be where rugby goes, I, I don't know where we go from here. As I said, like, I don't agree with Lurkan too being sent off for that. You know, a yellow card, a penalty. I think the, the second rower from Argentina, a penalty at best. But I don't even think Dave, uh, Michael, sorry, Michael Hooper should be penalised. So I don't know how, I don't know where rugby goes from that. And, and there was a few decisions in the World Cup that were similar. The breakdown especially uh, with the clear out. Like, you clearly had a body where the, where the head is often below the waist or below the shoulders. You know, occasionally it's going to get hit after you make contact somewhere else first. And people might argue with me that he's 
but he, he hit the he hit the guy's head at the same time as the arms, but his head's below his shoulders. Like I don't know what he does. Matty, what 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 do you reckon about the refing? I, I kind of felt like the guy just would put his whistle away. He over refed it. Do you get too involved? I don't like being critical of referees, but um, you know, I agree. I, I think there's a lot of stop start. Players have got to take ownership to that too. But yeah, no, I, I thought the way the way he ran the game, you know, he could have done a better job. But you know, I, I don't think Australia can use that as an excuse. But I, I agree. But conditions are tough. Like it's tough being a referee. Mm. Like for, for one minute with with the Michael Hooper. Uh, um, Yellow card and the other ones. I'm not. I'm not blaming the referee in, in a certain extent for that because I think that's the mandate. I think that's what the IOB has sent down. I don't think it's the referee's fault. You know, the, the, if they don't, if they don't make these decisions, they get reviewed after. And it's probably. It's probably. Mm. And, and it, it's, I don't know how they review referees, but that's probably more important than how, how you how you, how you referee. You know, critical decisions. It, it, those decisions seem to be more important, which is. On balance, you know, it shouldn't be. But, um, yeah, I just think we've got to do something because there's got to be some onus on the person to break down of where they put their head. You know, if you put your head on top of the ball... Yeah, no, I can see why it's a, it's, it's a sore point. But, uh, look, in the main, I think there's some positives to take away. As you've said, we've got a couple of big, big years for the Australian Rugby Union team and let's hope that it's onward and upward from here. Matty, good to talk to you. Thanks, Tim Shane. Really appreciate you having me on. Got you, Matty. Thanks, mate. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes out to Matt Dunning and Jaslyn Hewitt. Thank you to our sponsors, O'Brien Beer, and of course, the one, the only, the Dean Semler when it comes to podcasts, the expert himself, Dan McHugh, our producer. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon with your daily dose of sport. Shano, can't wait for it. We'll see you then.